Welcome to the Thrive Infertility Podcast brought to you by the Quillet Institute, your mental health resource to support you during your season of infertility. We are here to help you thrive. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. This is your host, Kathy Quillet, CEO of the Quillet Institute and Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. I hope that you guys are all having an extraordinary week. I hope for really great beta draws and ready to go sperm. I, I hope that you, wherever you are in this season of infertility, that this week has been a week of great news. And for those of you who it has been a devastating week, for those of you who have experienced a giant letdown, for those of you who think I have to give up in order to regain my sanity, I just want to sit with you in that place and say, I so get it. I resonate with those feelings, uh, you know, a decade ago, perhaps, but I resonate with those feelings. I feel like a lot of times when we're experiencing infertility, when we're experiencing pregnancy loss, we feel this sense of loneliness. We feel this sense of isolation and that I'm the only person on the planet because I'm the only person in my friend group that's experiencing this. And let me just say that I'm surrounded by people all the time who feel the same way. I'm surrounded by people who would just say to you, sister, you are in good company. I have clients and those in support groups and coworkers and whatever who would say to you, the fight is not over. Keep going. So I hope that you listened to last week's podcast as I mentioned then, I get asked all the time, if I were to go back and do infertility differently, what would I do? Or if I could say to myself as now a reproductive mental health specialist, if you could go back and talk to yourself a decade ago, what would you tell yourself? Like what piece of advice would you give yourself? So last week was part one. I've been asked this question so many times. And last week I started this series of who knows how long it'll actually be because I feel like there's so many nuggets of truth that I, I learned from you guys, but also I remember from my own story. And so last week, what I talked a lot about was what I learned from myself in regards to infertility. And as I, as I processed where I wanted to go from here, I wanted to talk about my recurrent miscarriage. So if you know anything about me or listened to last week, you know that I had recurrent uh, miscarriage is a part of my story. We lost four babies at 10, five, six, and seven weeks. And y'all, if I'm really honest, I have some regrets over that time of miscarriage because I didn't know what to do with them. I didn't know what to do with that memory. Grief was not something that was unfamiliar to me. I lost one of my really good friends in high school. Uh, to a car accident really tragically. That was something that was really pivotal to me getting into the mental health field. I've lost all my grandparents. I've lost a lot of good friends. Um, I'm not unfamiliar with grief and trauma. So encountering miscarriage was the grief experience was definitely not new for me. Maybe it was new for you. Um, but again, it wasn't for me. And here's this really weird thing is because in miscarriage, we grieve somebody that we didn't know. I tell my clients all the time that women become moms the moment that they have a frozen embryo or the moment that the six is pregnant. 
like we're already moms. We have dreams. We have expectations. We think this is how many weeks it's going to be until I do, like I tell all the people, and then this, how many weeks until I have my anatomy scan and then my gender reveal. This is how many weeks, like I need to pack my bags to go to the hospital and I'm going to probably have a baby during this window of time. Where, where a lot of the supporting partners who are kind of disjointed with the whole baby making process, you made your deposit, but we're not quite at the place where you're ready to father or partner or co-parent yet. And so for a lot of, I'll speak to the gender of men, for a lot of you, we get to this place where I'm not quite a parent yet because the baby hasn't come out. My husband used to tell me that he didn't know how to parent in utero or he didn't know how to parent um, a, a baby. So we always joked that he wanted me to pull out uh, a two or three year old because that was where he felt really comfortable. Like that was his wheelhouse. Lucky for him, we adopted an, an almost nine month old and a, and a 20, 22 month old. Those are the children that we brought home from Ethiopia. But in the meantime, we have these miscarriages and we're, we're pregnant and we're elated, especially this first one when we still have this pure innocence about us and we're ready to jump right into parenthood. It's not just that we're pregnant, it's we're having a baby. A, par a client recently reframed for me this idea after recurrent miscarriage for her where she was like, I cannot celebrate the fact that I am having a baby. What I can do is I can celebrate for myself that my, my body has allowed me to go into the first trimester. My body has allowed a sperm and an embryo to meet inside of me. So she said to all of her people, I cannot get yet to the point where I say that I'm having a baby, but I can say to you that my body is pregnant. And so as I look back on this season where I was pregnant, especially the first one where I was like, I'm having a baby. Yay. There are lessons that I wish that I could go back and tell myself. Here's the first one. It is okay to enjoy your pregnancy. As scared to death as you might be, especially if this is your second pregnancy or you uh, have had a miscarriage, miscarriage or a stillbirth, it is okay to enjoy your pregnancy. So let me tell you, pregnancies one uh, or pregnancy one, I was excited it was elated. I lived like I was having a baby. We planned for it. Like we were ready. We had even allowed ourselves to walk around Babies RS. Do you remember that store when it used to be in existence a couple of years ago? We allowed ourselves into that space. And then after that pregnancies two and three, I was so crippled by fear. I was absolutely paralyzed into the spaces in my house where nobody could see me or find me because I was convinced that this was no doubt going to end in a miscarriage. Pregnancy four, after I had already had three losses, I felt like I knew how this movie was going to end. So baby and I, even though I didn't anticipate it coming to fruition and being a live birth, baby and I, I remember it still today with so much fondness. I what I remember pregnancies two and three is the anxiety, the fear, the no joy, the feeling like I can't bond with this baby because it's going to hurt me. Baby number four, I felt like, you know what, I, I don't know how to be present, but I'm going to be as present as I can. And so baby and I, I mean, obviously it accompanied me. It wasn't with me for that long, but we would go for walks and I would say, Hey, look at the ducks. Do you see this lake? One day I would love to bring you here. 
I would say to the baby, hey, bud, we're going to work. How fun is this going to be? We're going to see this many clients today. Don't make me too sick. I would really love some coffee. Like, don't suck my energy. I tried to live ever present with this baby. I tried to enjoy as many milestones with this baby as I could. I tried to live it fully while I could and attach to it fully. And let me just tell you, a decade later, what I remember from this pregnancy is the fondness and the love that I felt towards it. It did not exacerbate the pain or the trauma of losing the baby, even though I lost it in the same ways as the other three. I look back at the experience of being pregnant and think, oh my gosh, that was so fun. I lived a 40-week pregnancy with that one in seven weeks. If that was the only bit of life I got with that baby, I lived it to the fullest. And so if I could go back and tell myself 10 years ago, what I would say to myself is, Kath, it's okay to live in the present moment. I would also have given my, given myself permission when they passed away, when they stopped growing, when the, when the fetal heartbeat stopped, because I did see the fetal heartbeat four different times. I wish I would have named them. And I'm not saying like, I don't have a daughter. I never will. Our family is complete. My daughter's name would have been Addison. Okay. If I ever had had a daughter, her name would have been Addie. And that just would have been the, the cuteness that would have been her. I don't know that if I had lost a miscarriage, I would have named it Addie, but I wish I would have named it hope or grace or strength or something that would have allowed me to personify these babies so that I could remember them as something else other than one, two, three, and four. When Tyler, my husband, and I refer to these pregnancies, they don't have names. They have numbers. Oh, do you remember when we lost? Oh, which one are you talking about? Oh, number two. That baby was so much more than something that I lost in numerical order. He is so much more, or she is so much more than number two. I wish I could say, oh, do you remember when I lost pride or joy? Or do you remember when I lost faith? I wish that I could say, and this is something that I talk to my couples a lot that I work with, is it's okay to name your baby. If you lose your baby in October, Autumn's a great name. It doesn't have to be the name that you always wanted to name a baby, but it's okay to say, you know what? I love baby winter. I love baby June. I love baby, I don't know, something around Christmas. (laughs) Krista, I don't know. But I wish I would have given myself permission to do that. On the same way, I wish I would have given myself the opportunity to have a memorial. My mom died five years ago. Well, almost five years ago. It's about four and a half now. But when she died, my uh, old group practice that I was a part of in Ohio, they gave me a tree. We affectionately call it our manna tree. We nurture it. We love it. We go to it. We watch it flower and we take pride in it. I remember one of our good friends said to us after our first loss, they were like, Kath Tyler, like, if you guys want to have a memorial for this baby, we will certainly do it. And we thought, why? Nobody knew it. But even if it would have just been Tyler and I, 
I wish that we would have allowed ourselves the freedom to have some kind of a miscarriage or some kind of a memorial for our miscarriage. Some kind of a memorial for our miscarriage would have been so important for us. Like, yes, we have our Nana tree, but at the same time, if we had, you know, a joy tree, a faith tree, a number one, two, three, four tree. Now, something that I did get eventually once we brought home our children from Ethiopia, as I told my husband one year for Mother's Day that I wanted Bowen, which is our youngest, and Silas, which is our oldest, and stackable rings. And then I wanted a ring with four hearts on it to represent babies one, two, three, and four. That was my memorial. I wore that for a good five years. I don't know that I need to wear that anymore. Um, but that was really significant to me for a long time, but wasn't instrumental in the coping and the grief of my process. You know, I tell my clients quite frequently that once you're trying to conceive after loss, or once you're pregnant after loss, is we go into this place of kind of collecting milestones, right? So we're trying to conceive or we're doing IVF transfer or, you know, my beta was really good and they want to get to the place of like, oh my gosh, I'm having a baby. And I, what I say to them, and this is just a little bit of an extra nugget of encouragement is we're collecting milestones. We're not saying I'm going to go put the car seat in the car. What we're saying is I'm celebrating my body today. And even if I'm four weeks and five days, I'm celebrating the fact that my body's pregnant today. The next milestone is going to be an X beta draw. And once that comes back positive, I'm going to celebrate that. The next milestone after that is going to be when I go and get my ultrasound. When I see the heartbeat, when this all comes back positive, I'm going to celebrate that and I'm going to live all there. I'm not going to go all the way to like, what's the gender and when it's going to be due, but I'm going to celebrate week six, day three, and I'm going to live all there. And then I'm going to get another milestone and then I'm going to get another milestone. And at some point, the collection of milestones allows us to ease our shoulders. It allows us to take a deep diaphragmatic breath and say, I'm having a baby. But between now and then, we're going to collect these milestones and we're going to go one day at a time. Today I'm pregnant and I love it and I'm present with it and I'm all here. Tomorrow has all the anxiety for tomorrow. Week 20 in my anatomy scan, which maybe went bad for you before. Or week 15 went bad for you before. Or week 9 went bad for you before. And these look really daunting. Like, what happens if I don't make it there? What happens when I get there? And I, the only thing I know is grief at that intersection. That's okay. Because we're collecting milestones. And each different milestone that we get to, we're celebrating. And we're living there. And we're living completely there. Tomorrow might be your first ultrasound, and that carries with it its own anxiety. But yesterday, I got a really positive beta, and I'm choosing to live completely there. Okay. I wish I could go back and experience pregnancies two and three again. I wish I could name them. I wish that I could go back 
and be present with them and memorialize them and love them because we live in a culture. Listen, if we were in Japan in like downtown Tokyo, I, I from what I've heard, I've never been there. I don't like seafood. So traveling there feels a little bit overwhelming to me because in my mind, all you do is eat seafood there and it's raw and I, bleh, I just can't do it. But they have a garden there in like downtown Tokyo for the memory of miscarriage. And people go there and they honor and they love and they're present. Our culture gets it wrong. We say, oh, you didn't know it or it wasn't with you that long or at least your baby, you know, didn't have to experience pain or at least, you know, your body can get pregnant or my favorite, I've said it on here before. Somebody said to me, Kath, God never gives us more than we can handle. And clearly that baby was too much for you to handle. So he's going to try again. Hand of the heart, like somebody said that to me. What? How painful. People say really hurtful things. Okay. But I wish I could go back and be ever so present with these babies and love them and grieve, le- grieve them in a style that was appropriate to Tyler and I, in a space that was appropriate to the Quillets, not to anybody outside. Because there's this pressure to get back to work. There's this pressure to do this other stuff. No, no, no. I want to erase that and say, how could we have been present? How could we have named them? How could we have loved them? How could we remember them? I wish that I would have given us permission to be in this space completely that we could have done that. So if that's you, Again, I say all the time, I want my life and my, and my own story and my, my profession to be a permission slip to you. A permission slip to you in this sense to maybe do differently than I did. If you want to work through this and you live in Tennessee, go to TennesseeReproductiveTherapy.com. If you live outside of Tennessee, go to the Quillitinstitute.com. Quillet is Q-U-I-L-L-E-T. I'd love to work through this with you. If you need help finding somebody in your area, I'm happy to do that with you. Also, shoot me an email at kathy at thequillitinstitute.com. Okay? Love to support you through that. If you are on your journey through miscarriage, hear me when I say, it is painful, it is hard, but there's a light at the end and there is healing and hope I know feels paralyzing. But there is hope to be had and healing to be had. If you need support in that journey, you know where to find me. I'll see you guys next week with another episode of another part of this series of what I wish I could tell myself 10 years ago. Hopefully you find it encouraging and pertinent to you. Have a great week, y'all. I hope you go out and thrive. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Thrive in Fertility brought to you by the Quilla Institute. Don't forget to check us out online at thequillitinstitute.com or at the Quillet Institute on Instagram and Facebook. Have a great day.